0: And if it's a really good secret, it won't be one for long. Amen? Few people can keep a good secret. But if we truly love our brothers and sisters in Christ, like we've been talking about for the past few weeks, we will definitely want to share today's secret. Today I'll be sharing with you some secrets of the abundant Christian life. I read a story about two mountain villages. One village got its water from this mountain stream. But in the summer months, that stream would dry up and would dwindle down to where there was barely a trickle of water coming into the village. Barely enough water to keep the village alive until the rains came again. In the center of the other village, there was a, an artesian well, a, a natural spring, if you will, that flowed a seemingly endless supply of thirst-quenching, life-sustaining water. And regardless of how dry the summer months became, this village always had an abundance of water for its own needs and for the needs of others. These two villages that I've been telling you about this morning stand as a beautiful picture of the two kinds of Christian life that are before you today. You see, some believers live a life like a dwindling, barely trickling little stream that barely gives any evidence that it exists at all. Other believers live a life that is overflowing with the spiritual blessings of things like peace and joy And the power of God. While on this earth the Lord Jesus came and he said, I have come that they may have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. That abundant life that he's talking about is a life that's overflowing. Overflowing with the blessings that come from a relationship with God. And he tells us that when we trust him, our lives will be just like that artesian well, that natural spring. And our life will literally gush forth spiritual blessings both for ourselves and for other people. So which village more accurately pictures your life? Can I tell you that Jesus didn't save you to be a listless, dry, dull, barely clinging to spiritual life kind of life? Jesus saved us to be filled with his glory, with his joy, and with his peace. He saved us to overflow with every Spiritual blessing. So if you're saved this morning, Jesus has already given you everything you need. He's given you all that you need to enjoy an abundant Christian life. You just need to learn how to use it. You need to learn how to appropriate what the Lord has already given you. Today's verses in the Bible Tell us a little bit about how to do that. On page 1010 in the Bibles in front of you, I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 15 and beginning in verse 8. Paul writing to the church at Rome writes, now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision, that is to the Jewish people, for the truth of God. To confirm the promises made to the Father. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written. For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse... And he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There in those few verses, we're told that there are basically two ministries that are performed on your behalf. Two ministries performed on your behalf that make the abundant life possible. The first of which is the glory of the Savior's ministry for us. See, verse 8 actually said that Jesus was a servant. Other translations say that Jesus was a minister. Well, what does a minister do? A minister ministers. A minister works for others. And the work that Jesus did and the work that Jesus continues to do, he does on behalf of other people, on behalf of us. So first of all, we see that Jesus is God's promise to the Jewish people. There in verse 8 he said, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant, a minister to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. The Bible's clear. Jesus came into this world to save the Jewish people by fulfilling his word as the Messiah, the Savior. Just listen to what Romans 1.16 says. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Gentile, or for the Greek. In fact, in every area of his life, In everything that Jesus Christ did, he perfectly fulfilled the promises and the prophecies of God that were handed down to the Jews over the many, many years, and he proved in every detail that he was indeed the Messiah, the long-awaited-for Savior of the nation of Israel. So what was the problem? What was the big deal? What was the problem? The problem was this those Jewish people stumbled over the fact that he came as a suffering servant instead of a conquering commander. And while the nation as a whole rejected Jesus, there were some... There were some individuals that received him. We remember Nicodemus receiving him. We remember Joseph of Amarathia receiving him. We know there are many other Jewish people that received Jesus. And that's the same way that it is today. There are some Jews that have been saved today by Jesus Christ. There are some Messianic Jews in Israel today that have accepted the Lord as their Messiah. But it's kind of few and far between. But I want to tell you this morning that the day is coming. The day is coming when every Jew will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's promise to every Jew who will receive him by faith. He's God's promise to the Jewish people. But we also saw that Jesus is God's prophecy to the Gentile people, the non-Jewish people. Look again in verse 9 what the Bible says. So that the non-Jews, the Gentiles, might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this reason I will confess to you among the non-Jews and sing to your name. And again he says rejoice, O non-Jews, with his people. And again praise the Lord, all you non-Jews. Laud him, all you people. And again, Isaiah says, and there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the non-Jews in him, those non-Jews will have hope. The Gentiles. Here, Paul used four verses, four verses that he plucked from the Old Testament to show the Jewish people that he had opened wide the door of salvation, not just for the Jewish people, but for everybody, for all people, including the non-Jews, and the Bible is clear to tell us that wherever lost sinners are found, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their background, they can be saved by grace, friend. And they can be brought into a relationship with the Lord God Almighty if, say if, if they will trust in Jesus. It's just that simple. See, it was Jesus that broke down that middle wall of separation. It was Jesus that broke down that veil Cut that veil in two, bottom to top, top to bottom, all kinds of ways. And that was the wall that separated sinners from God. And so what did he do? He reconciled us by shedding his own blood on the cross. He came as a minister, a minister for others, not to be served, but to serve others. He came as a minister of salvation for all who would receive him By faith. But friends, there's another ministry, not just the Savior's ministry, there's another ministry that makes the abundant life possible. And that is the glory of the Spirit's ministry for us. Look at verse 13. And y'all are thinking this is going to be a short sermon, aren't you? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is a sermon in that one verse, and you're going to see that to be true here in just a minute. Amen? Amen? All right. When you read that verse 13, man, it overflows. It just overflows with the beautiful glory of God. Did you notice those words fill? Did you notice that word abound? Those words refer to being filled over the top. Coming over the top of the glass and flowing into the life of other people. It talks about overflowing and being filled. God wants you to know this morning that as his child, not only did he redeem you, not only did he give you a relationship with himself, but he also fixed it to where you could live your life overflowing with spiritual blessings for the glory of God. He made that possible for you and that should be exciting news for you today. Now this verse, that one little verse in verse 13, it points out some outstanding truths that relate to that glorious fact. One, that verse points to the author of abundant life. There in the beginning of verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you. Can't nobody else fill you with abundant life but God. See, many people are walking around in this world, maybe many Christians are walking around in this world, and they're living in a rut. How many of you have ever been in a rut? Every one of y'all better raise your hand, amen? We've all been in a rut, a spiritual rut, at one point or another. But listen, living in a rut is not abundant life. Can I get an amen on that? It's not abundant life. It ain't no fun. Those folks do the same old things, the same old way, every day of their life. There's no excitement. There's no overflowing joy in their life. They never see anything happen out of the ordinary. Listen, that is not the kind of life that Jesus saved us to live. He doesn't want you living life in a rut. He saved us to live a life full of his presence, full of his power, full of his glory. He saved us to live a life that's extraordinary, a life out of the ordinary, a life that's overflowing into the life of other people. The Bible tells us here who the giver of abundant life is, the God of hope. God is the giver of abundant life. So friend, do you want to live a life That's different? Do you want to live a life that is filled with the extraordinary? Well, to have that kind of life, you're going to need to get to God. Can I just oversimplify that a little bit? You want to live an abundant life? You better get to God. Get to God. The secret of the abundant life lies not only in being saved. Yes, that is incredibly important. But the secret furthermore is living close to the Father. If you're honest with yourself and you look back to all them ruts you lived in, you'll look back at them ruts and you'll say, boy, I sure wasn't very close to God then. One common denominator between living in a rut and not being in a relationship with God. That's the thing. Don't live in a rut. See, you can be saved and be living a life that is dry as an old corn cob. Amen? I've been there, y'all. There's no doubt that I was saved. But man, I certainly wouldn't live in a life extraordinary. There wasn't nothing overflowing about my life. Why? Because I wasn't living close to God. And if you don't live close to him like you should, you know what you're going to think? You're going to think, man, this Christian life is so boring. If you don't live close to God, you're going to think, man, going to church is such a drag. If you're not living close to God... You're going to think, man, my life ain't no different than that heathen drunk living next door. You've got to live close to God. So if you want that abundant life, that life that only Jesus can give, and I pray you do, friend, I pray you do, then it's going to require you to walk a daily abiding relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may find that, man, I'm going to have to start praying. You may find, man, I'm going to have to start reading this book. You may find that you're going to have to start coming into this church house a little more regularly. You may even have to stop doing some of that stuff that you've been doing you may even need to stop talking some of those ways you've been talking you may even have to eliminate some of those horrible attitudes that you've been living with you may have to stop some of those things that is hindering from God moving in your life the way he wants to do it change has got to be made So what I'm saying is, is before you decide, man, that Christian life is such a drag, church is so boring. Before you decide that, why don't you make sure first that you're living as close to the author of abundant life as you can. And then see if it's boring. Then see if church is a drag. It won't be, I promise you. So this verse points to the author of abundant life, but it also points to the attributes of abundant life. Again, there in verse 13, the Bible says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace that you may abound in hope. Wow. Now, there are countless more, but Paul just uses three little words to describe the abundant life. These three things, joy, peace, and hope, are the core of what every human being seeks. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants joy, peace, and hope. Men have exhausted fortunes looking for them. Men and women have spent their entire lives seeking after a little bit of joy, a little bit of peace, a little bit of hope. But listen, they ain't found in the checkbook. They're found in the good book, amen? Amen. They're found in Jesus. They're only found in Jesus. He is the source of joy. He is the source of peace. He is the source of hope. And I got some great news for you today. You have access to all three. And the price has already been paid. The price has already been paid. Let's take a look at those three, can we? Joy. When I think of joy, I think immediately about that that happy face I need to put on. (laughs) See my joy? Joy. And I walk around with that stupid grin on my face all the time because I'm joyful. We think of joy and we immediately think of happiness. But real joy is a whole lot more than that. Happiness is grossly affected by our circumstances in life. As long as things are going great, guess what? I'm happy. Things ain't going my way. I ain't happy. But real joy, listen to this, real joy cannot be touched by the circumstances of life. It cannot be touched by those things. Real joy is a sovereign gift of God. It comes as a result of the fruit of the Spirit being in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. It's a gift of God. I can tell you today, You will not always be happy in this life. I'm sorry, y'all. I wish I could make everything kumbaya for you. And I wish I could make all of you happy all the time. But I know I can't do that. But I can always have joy. I can always have joy in the Lord. Always. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord. Always. Again, I say rejoice. Always. You see, friend, listen here. Circumstances, they change all the time, don't they? But God, He don't ever change. So if your joy's in circumstances, that's going to be your roller coaster right there. If your joy's in the Lord, it's always going to be this right here. Relationships in life E eb- and they flow., eb- say it with me.. Eb- and then that flow. That was good. But my relationship with God don't never waver. He ain't going nowhere. I may drift. I may... E- 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 he, God never does. He never, ever wavers. So friend, are you living that truth that's found in Nehemiah
1: 8.10?
0: Are you living that truth? The joy of the Lord is my strength. That should be one of your mottos. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy is important. But there's another attribute of the abundant life and that's peace. You may not know this, but that word peace, it means to join together. When we join together, everything is nice and peaceful. Amen. When husbands and wives join together, everything is peaceful. Amen. James, amen. All right, brother, let's check in. When we join together, it's peaceful. But the exact opposite of that word is worry. And it means to pull apart. If life is filled with the Lord's best in your life, it cannot be pulled apart by worry. It's a life that rests in the promises and the power of God. That's the peaceful life. This kind of life that I'm talking about, it knows that whatever comes in my life, whatever it is, it's all in the hand of God, whether he wants to allow it or stop it dead in its tracks. That's the peaceful life. This kind of life I'm talking about is a life that doesn't really concern itself with what kinds of things are happening. It's irrelevant what happens. It leaves everything in the hands of God because we know he's got this. He's going to take care of everything for his child. If a good father would take care of you, how much more will your heavenly father take care of you? And Jesus promised that he'd give us peace. He said so much. He said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Be not afraid. I got this. That is peace. So friend, do you have that kind of peace in your life today? The absolute convincing knowledge that he's got this? Regardless of what happens, do you know that the Lord is in control? Do you know, friend, that he's going to take care of you? You are a daughter of the Most High God. You are a son of the King. And he's going to take care of you? Oh, friend, I pray you do. Because that's the peace of an abundant life. But there's a third characteristic of this abundant life, and that is hope. Now, hope is not wishful thinking. Man, I hope Janet's cooking a good supper tonight. Right? It's a, I hope, uh, even though I'm on E, I hope I make it home. Amen? It's not wishful thinking. Rather, it's a deep, settled conviction that this word of God is true. And that all of the promises written to me are going to be applied in my life. It's a deep, settled conviction that God is God, and this is His Word, and nothing can confound the Word of God. You see, friend, the redeemed have these promises. The redeemed have access to this power, and these promises and that power give us great hope. So, friend, listen, if you're lost today, if you don't have a relationship with God that comes only through Jesus Christ, I hate to tell you this, but you ain't got no But if you're saved, having placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then no matter what happens, friend, I want you to know you have hope. And that's good news. So Romans fifteen thirteen, it's power-packed, man. It's power-packed. It's got a great punch. It points to the author of abundant life, and it talks about the attributes of abundant life. But do you know this verse also points out to the appropriation of the abundant life? It answers the question that Brother Bill asked. All right, God, how do I get it? Amen? I hear you talking about it. I know you did it. How do I get me some of that? How can I have this kind of life? I mean, when you think about what I've been talking about, a life filled with joy a life filled with peace and a life filled with hope. Man, anybody in their right mind would want them some of that, right? Amen? I mean, you'd be in that case not to want that kind of life. But here comes your answer and how to get it. And it's found right there in verse 13 in two little bitty words. Ready? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Here comes. In believing. In believing. Can you say that with me? In believing. Paul says that this abundant Christian life is appropriated by faith. By believing that he is God. By believing that he's got your back. By believing that he's gonna take care of this tragedy in your life, this challenge in your life, this horrible circumstance in your life. He's gonna take care of it. And you're going to believe it. And you're going to receive it by faith, by believing. Now, you may say, Bill, that's a problem for me. My dad up in Maine, we've been praying for him for years. His biggest problem with becoming a Christian is he's got a problem with this whole faith issue, he says. He just can't come wrap his mind around how somebody can place their faith in a man who lived 2,000 years ago given his life for him knowing what all he's seen as a 30 year police officer in Danbury, Connecticut knowing how he's lived his life he can't wrap his mind his faith around that Jesus would do that for him maybe it's a problem for you too there are a lot of people who just think, man, I just ain't got no faith. I just don't have any faith. However, Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says you do have faith because the Bible says in Romans 12 3 that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. There are some of you that got a whole lot more faith than me, but we all got a measure of faith. And Jesus says it don't take a whole lot of faith to get the job done. In fact, if you'll have faith as a, big as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Sometimes I feel like that's how much faith I got. So listen, you got more faith than you realize. You've got more faith than you realize. I dare you, I, dare, I double dog dare you to try and live one single day without faith. You can't do it, I'm telling you. You wouldn't be able to walk. You wouldn't be able to drive your car, sit in your chair, turn on the lights, go through a door, believe your news feed on Facebook, use the television... Trust anybody, love your spouse or love your kids. You wouldn't be able to do none of that without a little bit of faith. Faith is essential, absolutely essential to our very existence. And if we'll exercise the kind of faith in those things, those earthly matters, and if we'll just transfer a smidgen, everybody say smidgen. smidgen, just a smidgen of that earthly faith and transfer it to the Lord. You'll be surprised the mountains that will move in your life. Faith. First John 5, 9 says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. You believe the things that men say. You believe the things that are happening on earth. The witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified in his son. And then in verse 11 he says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. It's just that simple. Can you transfer a little bit of that faith in earthly matters to the Lord? When we receive the Lord Jesus, God's son by faith, the promise of the Bible is that we also receive the Holy Spirit of God. We receive the Spirit of God who then leads us into living an abundant life for the glory of God. You can't do it yourself. So if you've been trying to muster it up, it ain't happening. You're going to need to, rather than muster it up, you're going to need to maybe bow down and yield and submit to the Spirit's desire for your life. So friend, what about you? Would you describe your life as abundant, overflowing, rich in every spiritual blessing? Would you say, man, I've been living large for Jesus? Not many people can. But we have access to that kind of life. We have access to that. So, Has your life been like that struggling little stream that's just almost on the verge, almost on the verge of just drying up completely? Or are you like that artesian spring well, gushing up, overflowing with the blessings and the spiritual joy, peace, and hope that come from your relationship with God? Friend, if there's a lack in your life, I want you to know today that the help you need is in Jesus. All you need to do is get to him and get it fixed. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for seeing our deepest need a cure for our sin cancer. And for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay the ultimate price so that we could be reconciled to you. But Lord, you didn't stop there. That wasn't your only desire by sending Jesus. Because you also wanted to provide us with abundant life. A life that overflows with the richest spiritual blessings known to man. And that those blessings would not only be ours, but they would also overflow in the lives of others. Father, in a group this large, there is likely one person who has never wholeheartedly given their lives to Jesus. Help them to know that they can end that today. That they can have hope. Father, I pray that you would speak to those of us who have been Christians for a while. And if we've been living life in a rut, Lord, help us to put a period at the end of that sentence today. Lord, help us to realize and to appropriate the abundant life that's given to us in believing. Father, give us the joy, the peace, and the hope That comes by living close to you. Thank you for making it possible. Only through Jesus. If there's one that needs to come. Only through Jesus. Lord you invite them to come. If there's someone who needs to pray for that rut they're in. To get out of it. Father I pray that they would come. There's no better place to get things fixed. Than right here at the altar with brothers and sisters that love them. So Lord, bless this invitation. It is all yours. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Amen.